With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning and welcome to this episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. It is Tuesday and one of my favorites and just never shy, always outspoken. You know her, you love her. Good morning, Helena. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I am awesome. Now, we got to talk about the state of Minnesota, which it's weird for a state with very, not few black people, but a lower percentage than most states. They have a high occasion of a lot of black people getting killed by police. Now, the Dante Wright thing bothers me for all the reasons. When you first heard of the unfolding circumstances, what crossed your mind and how did you feel? I, I mean, what crossed my mind was, like, really, again, and really all I just could think of is, all, all of the black parents that I know, all of the black men that I know, you know, um, and, and that I don't know. You don't have to, personally, I don't have to be affected by this. I just, um, you know, it was really sick to my stomach. You know, it just, um, I hate that it's so, it's becoming so, I don't know the right word. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I can truly describe anything other than, you know, it feels like terrorism for our black population, just daily trauma. Who's going to die today? Is it going to be me? Can I run to the store for some milk? You know, um, it's, um, I, I I don't understand how it can't be soul crippling to everybody else. How it can be so easy to dismiss, so um, so not a priority. And to look at the police chief talking about due process when Mister Wright no. didn't, you know 
get his own and watching a video of his mom, you're a parent. Can you just, just yeah. fathom that pain on that woman's no. face and the hurt in her voice? No. No. I, I, I honestly cannot. I, you know, I think that in general I, I have a thing about grief not being public, you know, that you shouldn't. I, I, any public death, anything that is this unjust and, and really has any bearing to larger communities than the immediate family and friends, um, that always gets me, you know, because you shouldn't, you should be able to grieve. You know what I mean? And it shouldn't become a, you know, a public awareness or a public story, you know, until this mom has to watch this unfold in front of the nation and on her television set and on her, you know, in her, her news feed. Um, and that, to me, if you're going to lose a child, it should be sacred and personal. Not that you should lose a child for any reason. Please don't let me misspeak that way. I, I just, it's just such an added trauma to me, you know. Um, I can't, I just, I couldn't imagine it. I really can't. Every time something like this happens, my automatic response was trying to fool myself into saying, I'm not surprised. I'm used to it by now. Yeah. But I never get used to it. And I'm not, I'm, I'm still not surprised. I'm just never used to it. And I try to tamp down or hide those feelings because it's like, damn, again, and we're here again, and it just... And in Minnesota. Yes, in Minnesota where, if we're honest, it right looks now. like... Right now. And it looks like I kind of understand when I talked to black folks from Minnesota why they really weren't so in love with Amy Klobuchar because she was a state right. attorney. And it does make mm -hmm. sense. Like... <laughs> It makes complete sense now. Like it makes it makes total sense. And I'm not saying I'm not laying this on her. I'm laying this no. on the legal structure in that state, where Derek Chauvin looks at a camera, has that stupid smirk, murdered murders George Floyd, and the best that people can hope for is that there's some punishment. The fact that this man was murdered on film and he's not going to go to jail for the rest of his life, and that the best-case scenario, because we've seen how this movie ends, is some punishment. Or, from what somebody told me, it's not what we want, but it's 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 going to be something. That's not enough. That's not enough. Yeah. And yeah. it's tiring. Now, when we come back from break, we need to discuss, and I don't believe this, but white folks out here centering themselves again about this, you are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FPC radio network.
We are back with the Black Tuesday podcast. Aaron Spiggs along with Helena. When you look at centering, because that happens all the time, no matter what, <laughs> dead black person in the street or some atrocity occurs, there's old Karen the centerer, like just, hey, <laughs> look at me. This is this is how I do things. Fucking annoying, and I have lost any sort of modicum of patience with these people where I have to refrain from cussing somebody out and pretty much losing every social media account I have. Now, you would think that going along that there would be a lack of centering, but it keeps happening. How does a white person center somebody? Right. Like how? Like make it make sense. No, no, actually, literally, you've seen it happen. What did they say? How do you center yourself or whiteness in this scenario at all? What is I've there? Seen, do you have an example for me? Oh yes, I've seen the, okay. you know, examples where, you know, I, I've, I've read the well. Personally, as a parent, if that would happen to me, I would be upset, and I wouldn't know what to do. And, and, it's something that should bring us together. The fuck oh, are you fuck talking that about? Unity shit. Huh? That's that's ridiculous. No, I'm sorry. We will never have that fear. We will never have to think about it. It never crosses our mind, ever, because it's not us. This is not happening to us. And For I'm anyone like, that doesn't really? know, when I say us, I mean us white people. It's just not. It's not happening to us. I'm a parent. I never have to worry about that. What I worry more about is making sure that my child interrupts situations if she sees them or he sees them. That's what I worry about, is that they're not going to drive past a scenario like that, you know, that they will bear witness and show strength. Um, that's centering myself as well. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I I don't know how. I don't, I, it, it's so obvious that this is – it's just so obvious. You know, I just can't amiss the Chauvin case trial right now, right now, in that state. I can't understand. I, I don't understand, which is why I, I don't think there's something to comprehend other than this. these cops don't care. This is a delight. It is something with ease. It is something that doesn't cross their mind. They don't go out on duty and think... I should be extra careful about pulling my weapon today. It's just more of like... I know in my job mm -hmm. that when a large... I can't even say mistake because that makes it sound like Derek Chauvin made a mistake. Okay, but if there is is, is an, an, an enormous cataclysmic event in my line of work, which doesn't hurt anybody... You still double and triple check something that falls along those lines, right? If somebody made a numerical error or they put a decimal in the wrong place, it's the type of thing that I'm going to double check, right? So the only explanation for these murders, okay, they are murders, is that they don't care, that there isn't even a second thought pulling their weapon they see black and that's it 
And we know that because we can contrast it with so many scenarios in which white people have committed actual crimes, violent crimes, murderous crimes, crimes against police officers. And no weapon was drawn, not by accident and not by intent. And it's one of those feelings that when, as a black person, as you see, as I see this unfold, there is that feeling of, wow, we're just kind of by ourselves in this shit again. <laughs> and I'm not laughing to be funny. I'm laughing just at the, yeah. like, stunned of, yeah, this is what life has been. And to someone and society, can we just tell every Canadian who wants to chime in about things that happen to black folks down here to have a nice hearty plate of shut the fuck up because I don't want to hear from a country that still takes First Nations, the police still take First Nations members out in the middle, who, who are drunk, out in the middle of a frozen forest and leave them. It has happened. And oh, who treats persons of color like garbage? Don't hop on social media. Don't be that person up, you know, in yeah. Toronto saying, "Well, in Canada we do this." In Canada, you treat people like people of color like shit anyway. I, I can't, I can't. And people are like, oh, you know, I'm your emotional support Canadian. Go fuck yourself. No one, no, no one wants to hear you. Eat your bland ass food and shut the hell up. Now, <laughs> with that, it is, right? I mean, it is just so much going on. You, we even, we still have the Chauvin trial. All this is going on in the backdrop of the the right shooting. And there are people upset about the rioting, people upset about the looting. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, but if, you know, white people keep being killed and they've been killed since I've been on this planet, which is kind of a long time. And it's, folks are pissed and they're tired. Like if you ask a black person how they are, chances are a majority is tired. Because it's, it's exhausting, and when we spin it into, you know, other politics, it's the press. It's folks who are paid media who don't really understand that the country just dealt with four years of nonsense, and they're sick. I'm sick of the media. I. It's a struggle to watch cable news. It's a struggle because I remember all these people who had everything about Trump and he was bad and this and that, but he paid their bills by them covering him. Yeah. And Chris Hayes. Chris Hayes lives in New York but is the most un-New York person this side of Andrew Yang, which I want to get into Andrew Yang. (laughs) I want to talk about this asshole. As a New Jersey person, you know, as a a Jersey native, 
Is Andrew Yang the most un-New York person you have ever seen? Seriously, there are. I, I, honestly, okay, I, I've made this joke before. I think that all New Yorkers would agree with me when I say this. If there's anything that people from New Jersey want to be, at least, you know, the northern half, it's, it's they want to be from New York, right? We want to claim New York so bad, so bad. And I'm going to tell you that people from New Jersey are more New York than Andrew Yang. Okay. <laughs> I've never, I, I, it's, it's offensive. Truly. Um, it, I, I don't even have, what a, what a fucking, I don't know. I, I, that's a question you should ask some of our other friends from New York too, because I know that they could absolutely do it justice. But as a girl from Jersey, I'm sort of like, I, I can claim that more than you can, and that's just sad. Now, what's scary is that Andrew Yang is a profile in the horseshoe theory. For those who don't know, the horseshoe theory is... I'm not explaining to you, I'm just explaining to those who don't know. Yes. But the horseshoe theory is pretty much the thought that the far left and the far right kind of come together on the political spectrum and like a horseshoe. They come real close in the ideology. He has very weird thoughts about abortion. Now, I'm going to read you his quote. Because it, yeah, like, this is what he said. And this is his actual quote. Let me find it and Uh-oh. Hello? Yeah. Okay. He, uh, says that we have to get back to the point where no one should be celebrating abortion. It's a tragedy. If someone decides they don't want to have a child, celebrating children, family, these are universal human values. Unless you sprouted a vagina, cervix, and uterus, you don't really get to say shit about what women want to do with their bodies. No. Also, suffer fuck you. Okay. Being able to make your own choice doesn't necessarily mean that you suffered to make it. Abortions are health care. Abortions are health care. Abortions are health care, health care, health care. And it's between a woman and her health care provider, and the reason doesn't matter. I'm tired of the gray areas. I'm tired of the what about rape, what about whatever, because that means that it is okay in a certain circumstance, which means that all of your bullshit excuses for the uh, any other circumstance is just that bullshit. Okay? If you believe that it is murder, it's murder every time. It doesn't matter how it was conceived. So if you can carve out an exception, what you're really saying is, I want to control your body and your decision. And it all comes down to, you know, access and who they're really forcing to have the babies and who they really want to have certain babies. You know? I'm sorry. I, I can't. I, I, I am tired of hearing about it from people that cannot bear a child. Uh, you know, the only thing we should be getting back to is making sure that Pregnancy is not a life-threatening condition, okay? Abortion is a choice. The reason doesn't matter, just like it doesn't matter if I choose to, you know, put on a blue dress or a red dress today. It's my fucking decision. 
And if I choose to not have one and carry a child to term, I should not fear for my life or the life of my child because of systemic racism, which happens to black women, indigenous women, and all other women of color. Now, with Yang, that was that comment happened during his presidential campaign last year, and he has tried to backpedal, saying he's a champion of rights. Like I said, dude, it is one of the oldest jokes I tell. You're a dude. You have a penis. You shouldn't be telling people to, you know, a, a vagina cervix about children. There is a vast difference between them. I know it's a dad joke. I don't <laughs> care, but. But you don't get to sit there and dictate to a woman what she needs to feel Keep about. Keep them going. Vast Efron, dictate. Keep them going, Keep them going. <laughs> but it is stunning the amount of people are like, well, you know, it's it's just celebrating. No, it's a choice. Like, And that goes to the whole statement of being a dude, being a man. I have no dominion over anyone's body but my own and guys tend to forget that they don't really quite fathom that oh these women have control uh do, it's not your body like i've seen childbirth up close Mm-mm. no no even if i didn't see it up close it's not my bodies and these dudes are the same ones who are just the absolute don't want to wear a mask right don't be mask, but sit there going to tell a woman what she needs to do with her body. No, that's not what we're going to do today. And it is, it's, it's just gross. It's just, I don't know. Like, when it comes to the whole, like, relate, like, property thing as far as, you know, men's territorialism over women's bodies, as a man, I never understood it. Like, it goes, it starts, not starts, but there's areas of, like, consent that, as a dude, just if you're being romantic with a woman and things are going that way, once you hear no, it should be no. It should be done. Like, there's no convincing. There's no conjoling. There, there's no influencing. No means the end. And I grew up in a time where you would hear, oh, she's just playing hard to get. No, bro, she doesn't want to be bothered with you. Go the fuck away. And the scary part is there are dudes and men who are teaching their sons this. Yeah. And God help, like, I need to be in the ground or a picture on the wall somewhere. That happens, like, if anything similar happens to my daughter, I don't care how old my daughter is, she'll always be my baby and I will always... Uh And my son will always be my little boy. Just And parents out here, not all, a lot of parents kind of fucking suck. And it leads me to this, yeah. our last topic is this. You and I both have kids. And we, we have friends who chose not to or don't want to. It is their choice. And I've said this a million times. I respect the fact there are people who don't want to have children who don't. Because I would much rather see someone who doesn't want to have children than a shitty parent. Mm -hmm. There are too many shitty parents in this country. Shitty parents raise Karens. That's why you see Karens. Because chances are, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, Karens were kind of like 
created in that giant factory somewhere in Kansas. And yeah. <laughs> for people who don't want to have children, stop asking them, why don't you have kids? They don't want to. The answer is no. Let them be. Just, you know, respect it. And some of our fellow parents... And also parents, don't like assume I, that, the, that a person that doesn't have kids doesn't want them. Like, that question is just inherently not your business. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's just an inherently judgmental question. You know, it's either you don't want them, there's something wrong with your brain, or you can't have them, there's something wrong with your body. It's just, it's not your business. My best friend in the world, she's two years younger, and I'm just going to just kind of tell this quick story. Um, when she was 18, so it's like 1994, she was dating this guy, and uh, she was a virgin, and they were messing around, and he brutally raped her because she didn't want to and the damage that he inflicted upon her via insertion of various objects made it impossible for her to have children. She's 44 now and cannot have children. That has tormented her the majority of her adult life. Therapy has helped, but that was her one thing, and she sees that her siblings and cousins all have kids. That was taken away. When somebody asked her a couple of years ago about that, there was at like a party, and you know how people get to drinking, and folks get a little too much with the words, and then they kind of mocked her for it. This one lady mocked her. A friend who I've known, like I said, for the last 28 years, 29 years, grabbed the woman by the hair and broke her nose because she punched her so hard she broke her nose and then waited outside for the cops to get there and she explained to the cops the lady dropped the charges but that hurt her because it's not really anybody's business so no. what happened was we've always talked about it and it's always hurt her and for people who question it, it's disrespectful and it's harmful. It's not your business. Yeah. The happy postscript to all this is today is April 13th. By August, my best friend is going to finalize an adoption. She can become a mom. Oh, that's wonderful. And... I'm going to be honest. When we sat there, we talked about it on the phone. We, we we both cried. I, as a as as a man, I didn't get emotional until I started having kids. And there's like every little milestone, I'm like tearing eyed. I'm like, when did this happen? Like I can't joke my way out of emotion now. Like goddamn. But <laughs> <laughs> but she is going to become a mom, and it is all what she's talking about. And we will sit there and like zoom video or like FaceTime, whatever. And like, I'm like showing her like diapering techniques. I'm like, yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> and like, we talk about a Bjorn. We talk about things like that. I'm like, and the joy 
on her face is everything. And she took an unconventional road to parenthood because she couldn't have kids of her own. Even though she's about to become a parent, she she told me, she's like, I'll never, ever be that person, even though I have a child now, or I will have a child who will ask a person who doesn't why. It's disrespectful, and it's wrong. And yeah. throughout the pandemic, throughout everything that's happened in Minnesota, just the fact that, you know, someone who I love like family is about to have their happy ending, whether it's with a, having a child or not, a lot of people yeah. who don't have children are happy. Like, we root for them. We, yes. We root for all the good people. <laughs> yes. But with that, I got one question. Now, we talked on the show that one of the last time we talked, Helena lost her longtime pet, her longtime family member, and... A little peek behind the curtain. I've known Helena for a, a while, and she is one of the most honest Uh-oh. people you ever want to meet. Just a sweetheart. Just kind. Funny as all hell. Says the most wildly inappropriate shit, but it's funny. And I could tell that the loss of her pet bothered her. And, you know, she went to seek and to search another pet. And, huh, it is the era of Rufus. <laughs> Can you tell the people about Rufus and the adventures of him? Rufus. So I so yeah, I lost my long term dog. Um not so much suddenly. I mean we knew he was sick. Blah blah blah. Um I don't want to talk about it too much, but uh, it was very heartbreaking. And for me as a rescue mom, I've always been a rescue mom. Um my I, I've kind of learned like the for me, for me, not everybody else, but for me, the easiest way to grieve is to actually take on. Mm-hmm. We are going to wait for Helena to chime back in. I think we may have lost her. Like, we can hear her, but it's just... You know, I knew we wanted another lab, blah, blah. Um, and I just, I saw this picture of Rufus. He was called Eggman at the time. I saw him, and I just, he has these, he's mostly white or yellow. I would say he, he almost looks white, pure white. But he's got these brown spots on his ears that are just so charming to me, I couldn't stop looking at this picture. And uh, and whoever took the picture had, like, you know, knew how to capture that perfect, like, puppy head tilt, you know. And so, you know, I showed it to my husband and my daughter, and they weren't really sure. And um, and I was like, all right. So, you know, I just kind of kept looking. But I kept going back to, to, to Rufus. So, you know, it turns out we worked with a, a couple of really good rescues that um, part of the problem with adopting, I don't want to say problem, but cha- I should say challenge. One of the challenges with adopting when you have children is that <clears> – <throat> If a rescue doesn't have a documented history of the dog's um, reaction to children or relationship or lack of relationship with children, they will not let you adopt a dog. And that's a very smart way to go about placing dogs in homes to make sure that they don't get returned or given up. So I'm not complaining about it. It's very, very smart. But it does make it a challenge because 
Now your choices with most reputable adoption places become a dog with a documented history with children, under the age of, say, 10, usually, or a puppy. Now, I didn't really want a puppy. I wasn't ready for a puppy. Okay, for anyone that's never had a puppy, in their very beginning stages, they can be a lot like babies, just in the respect that all they want to do is cry, poop, pee, and eat. And that's it. And they do it a lot, like 24 hours a day. And I was not prepared for that. Um, I had my two kids. I'm two and out. Like, I, just, I was like, I would like a young dog, but a dog that isn't, you know, going to cry through the night. And so that was presenting itself a challenge. And after, like, two weeks, I was like, okay, can we please talk about this dog, Rufus, uh, or, or Eggman? And so we started doing the process, and we started talking to that place, and it really convinced my husband that he also was not ready for a puppy. Thank the Lord. Um, and so this agency was like, okay, you know, here's our process. You got to do a FaceTime. And so that was immediately, I was like, oh my God, like to me, it's really important that you meet the dog and let them pick you and you pick them. Uh, and so I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm super excited. He's so cute looking. And the FaceTime went like, I would have never believed it was amazing. You really got to see his personality. And so we were approved. And I went and I picked him up, and he, like, was super nervous at first. He had already kind of, you know, I mean, rescues, you never know, right? They may bond quickly with a foster. They may not. They, you know, they tend to be a little distrustful, which is rightful. Um, but then as soon as I got him home, and obviously I started giving him treats, <laughs> um, his personality started to come out and his trust, you know, that's why I don't think he was really a stray. Um, I'm not really sure how he came into their possession because they say stray, but I'm like, he's super trusting and loving. He lets you scratch his belly. He he loves to lay on his back. He gives kisses. Um, He's a sweet, sweet boy. He's about seven months old. He has a perfect bill of health from the vet. um, And we're just excited uh, to have him. I mean, he's getting into trouble. Actually, the entire time we've been talking, he um, destroyed a bed skirt in my office here so that's cool yeah i'm talking about you (laughs) um but still i mean he's honestly better behaved than my children so um (laughs) i i've been calling him my therapy dog he's been he's been great i have had a lot of fun with him so far we are now truly entering the era of rufus and it is (laughs) just a just the just the photos of that look on his face where he just, he looks at home. He looks comfortable. He looks like he's had a, he looks like he had a rough go of it. And now he's just, he's with his people now. You're his people. Yeah. I definitely already feel like his people. I'm super excited. Yeah. Now, before we get out of here, how can people interact with you on social media and see photos of the legendary Rufus? (laughs) I know, because if it were me, that's all I'd want to see. Like, get this lady to shut up. I just want the dog. Um, I am on Twitter at RudestTutor, R-U-D-E-S-T-T-O-O-T-E-R. As always, Helena, thank you so much for joining us on the Black Tuesday podcast. Have a great day. This has been another episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Keep a good thought for your black friends.